Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as you know, this entire month of November, I am trying to talk to some amazing people that have given their life to being in the military, you know, serving us as a country, and then transitioning out and trying to figure out, like, how does this whole crazy work world on the uh, civilian side. And my guest today is, ah, gosh, I'm so excited to talk to her. She not only has already inspired me by what she's doing, but talk about somebody who's dedicated to, you know, helping others, especially those who have um, given their time in the service as well. So joining me today is Damika Jackson, and I want to hit a couple of the highlights on her bio. She's a U.S. Army war veteran, and now she's the chief uh, executive officer, I was like CEO of Reinvent You LLC, which assists veteran and nonprofit organizations with strategic planning, organizational development, professional and grant writing services, which is so incredible, and all these things to help them increase their sustainability. Now, here's a couple factors. Boy, does she have a lot of you know background here. She's got a degree in psychology. She is um, also currently pursuing a master's in uh, psychology. So you know that she's going to evaluate me and she's probably already thought I was crazy. Uh, she's a certified trainer with a variety of disciplines, over 15 years of experience with nonprofit and military ops, leadership development, training, sexual assault prevention, mental health and program development. To me, I think you're pretty lazy. You just don't do enough things. <laughs> And I know you also do a lot with, you know, uh, cultural um, issues as well. So there's just so much to dive in it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate what you're doing for the veterans. Um, just grateful. It's, you know, it has been such a joy. I don't know why I didn't think about this sooner. And I think from now on, every November, this is exactly what we're going to do because I have learned so much. As I was telling you before we started taping, you know, I didn't grow up in a military family, but right. I was around it. You know, my uncle um, spent his entire career in the Navy um, and, uh, and he did all kinds of secret things. He worked at the, you know, <laughs> I you notice how I whisper that into the microphone. Yes. You know? He worked on submarines. I don't know what he did. We never could get the answers. But, you know, I didn't grow up in that family. And what I'm learning now is just so phenomenal about things that we should all know and appreciate even more about people who have, have uh, given many years of service to, to our country. So 
I just gave some highlights on your bio. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your, your time in the military, in the army, and then tell us a little bit about your business and how you shock people's potential. Definitely. Well, honestly, I had not planned on going into the military. Mm-hmm. I, after high school, I went into computer engineering because uh, mm-hmm. I tell people I'm a big nerd and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you've done so many things. Yes. <laughs> And so it was something different for me um, to go in. Actually, a recruiter was at the door meeting my cousin, and I just happened to show up. My cousin wasn't there, and we had a great conversation. Next thing I know, I was going to take the test and letting my family know, I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wait, what? Yes. It was interesting because at the time, I had four scholarships to go to college, free ride. And they were like, you're giving up your scholarship? I'm like, yeah, it's time to go. It's time to leave. I I need something new, something different. And it was the best decision I ever made. I started out as a logistical specialist uh, working in the warehouse. And I moved around the warehouse. And pretty much I can run a warehouse like the back of my hand. Uh, (laughs) It was wonderful. And I met a lot of great people. It was a world inside of another world. And I didn't even know some of these posts and places existed in these cities. It's like, okay, where were these places on the map? I never saw these on the map when I took geography. They were like hidden at that time. Mm -hmm. And yet I got to travel, meet people from different ethnicities and cultures. And it was amazing. Places that I never thought I would be able to go. And I also end up just experiencing some some different things. Um, I did, like I said, logistical specialist, 92 Alpha in the Army. And then I actually was so lucky to get cross-trained in computer hacking. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes. uh, People were so jealous of me uh, because a few of us were able to do the cross-training. And so I started doing computer programming, computer hacking for the military. And that's what I did while I went to Kuwait and was in war. And it was, it was wonderful. But uh, my family didn't like it too much because I was hacking their computer systems too. <laughs> As you were talking, I'm like, I wonder if you could fix that one problem I have. I bet you, you could. <laughs> yes, I will remote into their system and I will be like, they'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, they're doing their homework. No, you're not. I can tell you exactly what you're doing right now. They were freaked out. <laughs> but I loved it. Um, there were some rough times. I will say that, of course, you know, I went in in 1999. So, of course, there was still a lot going on when it came to women serving, especially in wartime. And being attached to a all-male unit, there was only two females that were supporting 3rd Infantry, that current um, battalion. It was a little rough. And Mm -hmm. so there were some hiccups along the way and there was some problems. But overall, it was the best experience and decision that I made. It provided for me as a single mother. Um, I was raising my daughter and my three younger sisters. So it provided a lifestyle for us. And so I tell people I have no complaints. It paid for school. Uh, It did medical. Uh, There's so many benefits. Um, the benefits outweigh the negative, that's for sure. 
Wow. I'm not sure that everybody would, you know, view it that way. And I'm really glad that, you know, to hear that because I mean, that there's so many, I, I love how, you know, I traveled the world. I met people from different cultures. I had all these great experiences. I, I learned how to cross train in something that other people were jealous, you know, of me be, for getting it. I went to Kuwait, which, you know, you're right. I mean, in 99, not only was that a really scary time um, in a really scary place at that time, but, you know, absolutely women were not common in combat, you know, regardless of what your role was. So there had to have been a lot of stressful moments. And to hear you say that it was, you know, regardless of those things, it was the best decision. That's really inspiring, you know, from my perspective to say, thank God there's people like you who have made those decisions and those sacrifices, but see them also as, as great stepping stones to other thing in your life. Yes, definitely. I tell people, you know, sometimes we don't know how our decisions have this great impact on our lives. And I did not know that down the road, because when I first went in, I didn't have custody of my sisters. Mm -hmm. But as I was in, things happened with my family and it provided the means necessary so that I can take full custody of them and raise them. So I tell people, we never know how God is positioning us and allowing our footsteps and our path. And even though I ended up getting um, medically retired, I mean, I didn't even see that coming. It was a blessing because I thought, okay, I got hurt. Um, I, there are some things in the military because healthcare is not 100%. If it, I'm letting everyone know. We don't have the best healthcare, I will say that. Mm. However, they don't give up. I, definitely, they do not give up. And I did have to seek outside care. However, when things did transpire, it provided a means for me to continue taking care of my family. And now I have full retirement, something I did not even think I would get. And I was able to take care of my sisters and my daughter for the remainder of their lives. So, and still can take care of them. So it truly was a blessing that I had not even seen coming at all. That's so good. And thankfully, I mean, really, I mean, I think that we, we all need to be so cognizant of, of what it means to take care of the people who have taken care of us and, and our liberties and our freedoms. And so thank you for that. And I, I'm so glad too, that you had that. So what, so then as you got out and you're, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, a new life, what, did you right away start this business or did you do other things in between? Oh, oh no, this, <laughs> this came years after. Honestly, transitioning out of the military was difficult. And honestly, I tell people still to this day, I'm still transitioning because I've learned that once we are retrained, we have a different way of thinking when you're in the military. They deprogram you just to reprogram you this military standard and military way. And once you get out, it's like our culture is different. So here we are, we've been in there, some of us 10 plus years, things look different on the outside. And so it was very difficult on jobs because here I am, I show up to work early. I'm the last one to leave. Um, I believe in giving 100%, going in above and beyond and doing what I need to do to accomplish the mission. I often was told that I'm trying to outdo people or I'm trying to make them look bad or, you know, we don't do it like the military. We're not so structured. 
but that's what we're used to structure mm -hmm. and processes and policies so it was really difficult to try to adapt and even today it still is a little difficult because when it comes to integrity in my work ethic i believe in getting the job done no matter without complaining without griping do what we have to do to get the mission done and working as a team that's what we're used to so it was really difficult with transitioning I did not start the business until actually full-fledged last year. Good. I had been working on it for years, getting training from various people and resources, getting what I needed, because I wanted to make sure I did the business right. Um, I believe in learning from the pros, the mistakes, the challenges, or the ones who already paved the way. I'm like, mm -hmm. why reinvent the wheel when the wheel has already been made? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went ahead and I learned from some of the best. And I said, you know what? During my journeys, after getting out the military, I went into nonprofit, working with sexual assault victims for the military and civilian, took over the military's, um, the Army's sexual assault prevention program. I was over two military installations. I had 435 victim advocates under me. I love what I did, but I hated that I had to do it because yeah. I feel that. We shouldn't have to deal with sexual assault, sexual harassment, or any domestic violence, especially in the military. And even in the civilian sector, it should be something that we should not have to deal with on a continual basis as we do. And so it was disheartening, but I did it because I am, I consider myself to be a bulldog. Mm -hmm. I will fight for my, at my victims, my advocates, those people, those survivors, I am the one who will bust down doors to make sure they have some kind of justice or get to the point where they can start healing. So I, I love what I did. And as I actually ended up relocating, which was really bittersweet, I went into nonprofit. And I noticed that every time I went to a nonprofit, they, were, they would lose funding. Oh, yeah. And it was like, it's constantly, you're constantly chasing it. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, we got to work on that. So after years of um, helping these nonprofits to um, increase sustainability and they kept losing money, I said, there has to be a better way. And that's when reInvent You was birthed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take my passion of helping veterans and also nonprofits, and I'm going to help them with their foundation, their organizational structure, and get them in mm -hmm. position to get the money. And so I, I learned it. that's grant writers and now I get them the money. <laughs> yeah. Long ago I was in nonprofit and I, I um, wrote a lot of grants and that was before, you know, things, I mean, that was in the early nineties. And, uh, and I remember somebody approached me, I don't know, about five years ago, go, Hey, have you written a grant? I go, yeah, like a long time ago. I don't even know what the process looks like anymore. And that day I knew enough people that were connected to my organization that I could go and say, Hey, we need, you know, $5,000 for this program. They go, here's a check. Right. No, it's really different. Oh yes. Definitely. You know, I want to hit on something you said, because I was just talking about it to Rob Luigi from uh, DAV the other day, you know, this whole sense of, you know, when I have hired veterans, one of the things I love about them is that they absolutely believe you, if you show up on time, you're late. You know, yes. that like there's this sense, you, you know, you don't, and, and people still to this day think I'm so funny because if I have a phone call with you, I have your number dialed. 
and I'm waiting to hit the go the moment that it turns. Like if it's at four o'clock, the moment it turns, I hit it. And people are like, wow, you're punctual. I'm like, yes, we have a four o'clock appointment. I'm going to be on. And um, it's really important to me to be on time or to be early. And it's such a shame that you were shamed for doing what you were trained to do and the right thing, which is show up early to prove that you value where you are, give it your all, you know, don't leave anything on the table and do everything. The fact that somebody said you're trying to outshine each other, that's like, that's just, that's ridiculous. But I understand it happens. How frustrating was that? Or, you know, has it been? It's extremely frustrating because I would let them know, no, this is just who I am. This is how, how I've been taught. And I believe in giving my best at anything that I do. Because yes. at the end of the day, I have to answer to me and mm-hmm. <laughs> any of those I serve. So it wasn't about trying to outshine you. And I would tell them not outshine you. I just want to be the best for our customers, for the company. And then at the end of the day for myself, because if I did not give my all, I'm harder on me than anyone else did. Absolutely. Gosh. Well, so, you know, I know we're, we're getting all these glimpses, which I love, but I love asking all the guests this month, what do you think that everyone should know about life in the military that they don't probably don't know or wouldn't even think to ask you? Well, one thing for sure is they don't ever think that women go to war, <laughs> even mm. in 2020. So it's like, even right now, like I have a retirement ID card. And the first thing I always get is, oh, your husband. I'm like, no, not my husband. I was a soldier. And I said, as a matter of fact, I fought in a war. Wait, you fought in a war? I'm like, women fight in wars. But it's Mm -hmm. like, even in 2020, it's like, it's so taboo. And I'm like, okay, women have been fighting in wars for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. definitely um, that stigma that surrounds women serving is something definitely, you know, is interesting. And and people always think by the way that I look or dress, oh, you couldn't have served in the military. I'm like, no, believe you me, I I served. We just didn't look as pretty. (laughs) You're like, I wasn't walking. I don't walk around in fatigues all the time. Exactly. Exactly. But what I will tell people for sure about the military, there are some challenges. However, if you can get with a good NCO or sergeant or someone that can mentor you and guide you the right steps and the right way to go, it makes life so much easier, so much better. Mm -hmm. Soak in what you can, because even at the end of the day, it's a job, but you're not doing it alone. We are a team. We're supposed to fight together side by side. That's why we're not an army of just one person. When we say an army of one, that means we walk together as a strategic unit because there's more power in numbers when we're united. And so my thing would be to take hold of everything that the military has to offer when it comes to education, when it comes to them asking about what type of job, research your field thoroughly because you want to make sure that you position yourself accurately so when you get out, you have something to fall back on. You know, I, I love to take notes while I'm listening. And you said, you know, there's powers in number when we are united. 
And that's such a great theme, whether you're in the military or not, you know, all of us are human beings. And the more we try to operate like we're all human beings, the more power we have together. And I think that that gets lost sometimes in a lot of other stuff that goes on. I agree hundred percent. Not realizing we're all on the same earth (laughs) that we have to take care of. And it's amazing how we come together in times of crisis. But imagine if we took that same energy during times of peace, so where we could be as a people, instead of being divided, we could be united. So I definitely say in any aspect in life that we work better together. Amen. Well, my next question, you, you've already answered it in one way, but I don't know if maybe you have some other, you know, things to share with us. I like to, you know, get a feel for, you know, making the transition from military to civilian life has got to have a lot of road bumps. And you talked about, you know, having people say, hey, don't try and outshine us, but what else should we know? What else is, what else are challenges that you've faced in that transition? Definitely not knowing which way to go. Um, I have been in logistics and then computer programming for so long. I'm like, what do I want to do when I grow up? It was like one of those questions like, okay, so where do I go from here? And that was one of the major challenges. So that's why I went into a few different things to see what I like to do because now I'm no longer a soldier. Uh, In a sense, I'm not being told what I have to do, what time I have to be there. This is your job that you do on a daily basis. Now I'm back to having a choice as into what I want to do with the rest of my life. And that was very difficult for me because again, when I went in, I was a teenager and coming out as a grown woman. So things are different now from as they were when I was a teenager, different outlook. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I had somebody else say something similar. It's like, you know, it's not that your own, that you only do what you're told, but in the military, that is, it's like, they don't tell you, you know, turn left instead of right, unless you're actually marching somewhere, but you know, not every single life decision is made for you, but enough of them that you, that you're making those choices. And when all of a sudden, not only do you get to make more choices, but you have to make more choices. Um, I remember he said it, it was like, it was really intimidating. Like, well, what if I make the wrong choice? Right. You know, if there, if the if the choice I was given or if the, the directions I was given in the military were wrong, well, I didn't make them. Right. <laughs> I might, I may bear the consequences of them, but I didn't make them. And now I am the one that makes it or breaks it for me. And I remember him saying it was really daunting. Yes. It was, it's even so minute. It seems so minute to some people, even when it came to clothing, because in the military, most of my clothes, of course, was our uniforms and weekends, maybe a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Oh, but once you're out, yeah, it's time to start dressing professionally and depending on what type of work you go into. So it's like just those minor things that may come natural to civilians was just like challenging for a lot of military women and men trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's this new corporate world that we have to get into and how do we fit into it and what are we supposed to wear and how are we supposed to dress? And it's just, it was, it's a lot. Yeah. It, it, it became a little, um, like you said, intimidating, but um, at that time when I got out, we didn't really have that many programs that helped with transitioning. When you get out, you get three days. That's it. Three days. And I'm like, wow. 
days after we spent 10 plus years and we get three days to help us transition from the military to civilian life. Wow, that's got to feel like a whiplash. <laughs> yes, and half the time it was just papers and you're like, okay, what just happened? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, oh my gosh. Well, so what's, what was the most successful part of your transition? Like, you know, as you look back, what are you most proud of or say, hey, that really worked? I would definitely say what I did before I got out of the military, I actually was volunteering as a victim mm. advocate, but it was for civilians. And I utilized those same skills and I transferred it to helping veterans and their family members. And I was so grateful that I had, I had taken that experience, but I was able to do that because I monopolized on the fact of the education that they offered us, that they paid for for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was able to do that internship at a rape crisis center. And it, it changed the path of uh, my life because I ended up going into sexual assault and sexual prevention. I think that's really smart is when you are given training and different opportunities that allow you to expand and see. It doesn't mean that that has to become what you do, but you can, you can test the waters. You can try different things. You can say, how does this, you can like try it on and see how it fits. Exactly. And, and I, I do appreciate that with the military. Um, even with correspondent courses, you get to take different things in different fields to see what you like, because honestly, like I said, with so much time passed, you really don't know what you like. So at least you mm -hmm. can test the waters without having to pay for it out your own pocket. Gosh, no kidding. So when you look back on your military career, um, what's the most important lesson you learned during that time that really helped you to shock your own potential? I will say opening up uh, when it came to culture and embracing culture. Mm -hmm. It really opened my eyes because where I grew up, there was only one type of culture. And the military, it opened this new world where I learned from diverse people and diverse backgrounds. And I learned about them and how they grew up and their, just their communities. And it helped me mm -hmm. to become the person I am today to embrace the differences in people. Mm -hmm. that's the most valuable lesson that I got out the military, that we all come in different colors, shapes, sizes, but it's best to, mm -hmm. if we can learn from one another and embrace it. So I definitely said that was the most valuable lesson that I got from the military to embrace our differences and our diversity. And that is, again, it's just a universal lesson that, you know, we can, we all need to be reminded of it every day now. I mean, I think we're finally, I don't know, well, you know, we'll see how, we'll see what, what 2020 has in store with us besides, you know, craziness in elections and, and a <laughs> pandemic, but, um, and obviously lots of, uh, you know, racial and diverse issues that now are to a point where finally, you know, we are boiling over. And, you know, maybe actually looking at each other differently in a good way. Um, and what a great, what a great response from, from you to say, look, I mean, it's just another reminder that it takes a whole lot of people to make this world what it is. Yeah. Sometimes you have to stop and really look at it and recognize what's different than you. And that's okay. Yeah. Or ask questions about it, you know, and learn from it. Exactly.
exactly. Um, can I share a real quick story with you? Yeah. So um, it amazed me because I was on this on the bus coming in with this. Of course, it's all of us going into boot camp, and I remember this Caucasian young man. He was so quiet. He never said anything. And so one day I just went and sat next to him. And we had our break, and I said, I noticed that you don't sit near anyone. And I said, Do you have a problem? And I said, Just like, Do you have a problem with black people? And he said. Honestly, he said, yes. And I said, oh, okay. I said, just like that. I said, oh, okay. He said, he said, it's not anything against you. He said, the community that I live in, he said, there's no black people. He mm -hmm. said, I've only seen black people on television. He said, my community is racist. He said, but I don't want to be that way. He said, but that's how I was taught. He said, that's what they taught us since I was a little child to hate black people or anyone that was different from us. He said he lives in a very small community. He said, but as I've been here, he said, I don't understand why our people and his community hates you so much. And I said, thank you for being so honest. Oh yeah. We end up being friends. I mean, we end up being friends after that. And we would just talk, yeah, I would laugh and he would laugh. We would talk about our families and how crazy our families are. Yeah. And, and wow, just the power of communication and just being open. And it's going to change his whole life because he wanted to be the change in his family. He was more open to the diversity, even his community. And I said, wow, you just don't know what people have gone through or the things they've been subjected to by looking at them. And, I, I, and that was like, I never forgot that moment, nor have I ever forgotten that young man. And, you know, what a great, um, you know, testament to you for not only just going up to him, you know, uh, which uh, made me think about, you know, my mother when I was little, she always said, you know, that little kid doesn't have any friends, go play with them. I'm like, mom, they might, there might be a reason they have no friends, you know, but she'd always like, go play with that person. They have no friends. Right. So constantly, you know, I was like, hey, you have no friends. What do you want to do? <laughs> um, so good, good for you for going up, but really good for him for being so honest and saying, this yes. was what I was raised in. Yes. And I don't like it, but I don't know any better because I never saw anything differently. I mean, that's, that's real, that's real instigation for change that, yeah. you know, somebody can recognize that they were raised in a way that's, that's against us being one. That takes a lot of guts, but it takes a lot of uh, self-awareness. Yes, it does. And wow. he, he was hilarious though. After he got to know everyone, he started opening up more and it, yeah, it was wonderful. That's fantastic. Damika, if you could go back at any time and talk to the younger Damika, tell her anything that would have shocked her potential farther, faster, or kept her on the same exact track, when would you go back to her and what would you tell her? Honestly, right when I was getting out the military, probably, hmm, actually probably would have been 2009. I would have told my younger self, continue going for your doctorate at that time. <laughs> I paused and I had doubt and I didn't go straight to get my doctorate because at the time I was taking care, like I said, my three sisters and I had my daughter and I said, oh my God, I can't do this as a single mother with four. Mm. And I wish that I would not have talked myself out of that even though I'm getting it, working on towards it now, 
I know that with all the things that I have encountered, that that degree would have benefited me a little more with the clients that I come in contact with. Am I been able to work in, you know, the clinical behavioral health and even now working with women of MST and PTSD. And sometimes they are more apt to listen to people who have the letters behind their name mm-hmm. as opposed to people who have 15 plus years experience in the field. So that I would definitely say that will be one of the regrets um, I would have. But other than that, every other thing that has transpired in my life, good or bad, has made me this loving, caring, appreciative, grateful person that I am. So I wouldn't take anything else away. Excellent. I love that. And you know, it's a fun question because, you know, I, I always like to get people thinking, it's not necessarily what you would do differently, but you know, just that sense of, like just you said, trust yourself, you know, go for it, finish it. Because those I think are the things that help us remember later when we, you know, in, in another year, five years, 10 years, when we hit that next thing that our, you know, our psyches go, oh, but, oh, I can't do it. Then we'll go, remember, you had this before and you told yourself if you could never face it again, you'd kick yourself over the, you know, the, <laughs> through the door jam for it, you know, to help give us that, that, um, that sense of reminder that we can, we can achieve and we, and don't stop just because we're afraid. So I appreciate that. So now I know I've got, you know, I know we'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but before we kind of wrap up, if somebody wants to find you and find your, your company right now, what's the best way for them to find you? Our website, which is www.reinventllc.org. That's reinventllc.org. That would be the best way to contact us. We will respond within 24 to 48 hours. Wonderful. And Damika, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners? I will say you are your biggest and worst enemy and critic. Keep pushing, keep moving, regardless what it looks like, regardless what it feels like. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward. I love it. Tamika, it's been such a pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate you and continue pushing forward everything you're doing. Truly appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.